to another episode of Haltech Hall. Uh, we are live, and we, of course, have the man himself, Mr. Michael Halitech. How are you, sir? Good morning, Double-A. What a great time to be a Bears fan. We are, what, sitting with 11 weeks to go till opening day. We've got a jam-packed podcast today. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the talking heads and what their predictions were. I know we all were laughing at the uh, the laughing post of of, uh, uh, of the talking heads, Mr. Lacanfora, recently when he predicted that the Bears were the prime team set for uh, a step backwards this year. Uh, we're going to talk about what Adam Rank said recently. Then we're going to go into camp expectations for this year, what to look for, who to watch. There's some interesting things going on there. There's been some talk recently. Uh, the Bears posted some videos on YouTube with Allen Robinson and, uh, and Gabriel. And it's just fascinating to hear these receivers talk about what's happening with the Bears offense. We're going to talk about the probably the sorest subject that we have had over the last year or so, and that's uh, the kicker situation. And it's interesting to take a look back at the history of kickers. We're going to be surprised at what we found in, during our research. And later on in the show, we have a great surprise. We have a special guest, the one, the only Bears girl is going to join us. She's going to talk about her time at the Bears 100 uh, convention that was just held a couple of weeks ago and what her expectations are for 2019. I believe she's planning on going to at least two games. You know, she lives up in Toronto, Canada, and I think she's planning on going to the Bears game on Thanksgiving in Detroit. And I believe she's packing her bags to go to London town to see the Bears and the uh, Raiders play in week five. So it's going to be a great show, Aaron. So let's start it off with Mr. Rank. This was, uh, this just came out recently. This was fascinating. I don't know if people have seen the video. Obviously we can't show the video on a podcast, but I believe you've got the clip for his audio. Yeah, for sure. Adam Rank uh, has really become one of the more prominent uh, Bears fans in the national media, and and it's great to see. Um, it's it's been a while since we've had uh, sort of uh, an advocate for the Bears um, the way that he's been. So uh, he did a prediction for every team, um, and then he finished it uh, with the Bears. You can go on YouTube um, and watch the entire thing, the whole uh, thing, the whole video is. About about an hour long because he really goes through and does every team in the league. But uh, this this clip is of him talking about the Bears. But I definitely, you know, he's he's a great guy. He does a, a really good work. He has a podcast, um, and then he also, of course, is on NFL Network. And uh, you know, you got to see him too, not just hear him. But here's this. It is time for the moment you have all been waiting for: the schedule of the Chicago Bears. I was on Good Morning Football and I said I would be shocked, shocked if the Bears did not win the Super Bowl. You know what? As a matter of fact, let's go crazy. Look at all these dub, dub, www, Oh, here we go. Yeah, let's get the party started. It's Club Dub, everybody. 16-0. You read it right there. 16 
so now what you can't see is somebody comes by and changes three of the 16 victories to losses. So you end up with 13-3. All right, well, this is fair enough. Now, if you know anything about the Bears, they've got four winnable games to start the season, so it would make sense they go across the pond, play the Oakland Raiders right before the bye week and take a loss. I could see that happening, but they would come back, beat the Saints. The Chargers are a frisky team, especially when nobody expects them to do well. And I know a lot of people expecting them to go to Chicago to not play well. This seems like a game the Chargers could, of course, come up and win. The Packers on the road week 15. Listen, I got to be a realistic fan here. I'm a fan, but I'm also realistic. I could see that happening, but I do believe that they get wins over the Saints. They get this win over the Rams. They get the win right here in week one. There is no way after what happened last season. There is no way that they're going to lose this game. I guarantee it. And you know what? You look at that 13-3 and record. That is the number one seed in the NFC. Club Dub, everybody! Can we have everybody? Come on, everybody. Club Dub. Come Dub. Come Dub. Dance party. Get over here. All right. So <laughs> then he tries to get the whole studio, uh, of course, doing some dancing. And, uh, you know, he's got the disco call going on. And, um, you know, he's n at no shortage of energy. Uh, he, he, of course, started out by going crazy and going 16 and 0, but then he, he backed it off a little bit uh, to 13 and three. Um, and he's got uh, losses against uh, the Raiders in London, uh, against the Chargers at home, and then at, uh, at Green Bay in week 15. He's got that down as a loss. Can you see that happening? I, I don't see, I don't see them losing to Green Bay. <clears throat> at all. Um, I don't see him losing to the Raiders at all. That game, Khalil Mack has got circled on his calendar, and there's no doubt that if Khalil Mack is healthy, and that's obviously the biggest thing that any team has to worry about is, is injuries. Khalil Mack has got that game targeted. I expect three sacks from Mack in London. What about you at AA? Yeah, I mean, I think that, listen, I don't want to, I feel uncomfortable picking the Bears to be better than 13-3. and three. I feel like that's a that's a good um, prediction, 13-3. and three. I don't agree with where the losses come. I, I don't see them losing to the Raiders. I just don't think, I mean, the Raiders' defense, it, it looks horrible. Um, Khalil Mack had more sacks than the entire Raiders team last year. So uh, I just don't see them being able to stop uh, the Bears. And I, I feel like that at home against the Chargers, that's a very winnable game. Um, I feel like that the Green Bay game is on the road is one that, that uh, could cause us some trouble, but you just don't know what Green Bay is going to be. Um, you know, so I have a hard time picking that. Um, I look at the Rams game on the road. I think on Sunday night football, that could be a tough game. Although I feel like it's going to be a largely partisan bears crowd in in uh, the Coliseum in Los Angeles. So, you know, um, 
that's you know that's one where maybe and then you know i mean you look at the um we we've, we've got another kind of tough stretch of uh, a lot of games in a short amount of time uh right around thanksgiving again so you know it, it would stand to reason that maybe they lose one of those games um you know but it's hard to it, it's hard really to to pick three losses, but if I had to, I would probably pick the Eagles on the road, the Rams on the road, and the Packers on the road if I had to. And I, I think 13-3 and three is probably fair, um, you know, expectation. 13-3 and three definitely gets him into the playoffs. Does it give him a bye? Maybe. Maybe. And, and that's the most important thing. Yeah. Last, last year, obviously, we've talked about this – on several podcasts, not just ours, but on the tailgate and other podcasts in, in Bears Twitterverse. They simply missed a bye week by, yeah. a, blown, by a blown kick or by a dropped interception all the way back in, in week one. A couple of special teams gaffes against New England. It easily could have been 14 and 2, 15 and 1. Hell, you know, in a stretch, you could say they easily could have gone undefeated in the regular season. And then, of course, the playoffs are, have a completely different structure, atmosphere to them because the Bears would have been at home throughout, wouldn't have had to play the wild card game. 13-3 right. probably is an, is an accurate prediction. I, uh, I have a lot of fun on some, some Facebook groups. There's a, a Facebook group... Um, called the battle for the NFC North. And if you're not on it, Aaron, and the people listening in, you got to get in there and join in. There's, there's a couple of, of cheeseheads that just think that in, in this, this era of the Green Bay Packers, that they're, quite frankly, their shit doesn't stink. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing. There's a guy on there saying there's no way the Bears are going to be better, and it's like, okay, so what data do you have that suggests that the Bears are not going to be as good or better than they were last year? And his only comment was biscuit. <laughs> so so in other words, he doesn't have a clue about no. the Bears. He doesn't have a clue about the fact that. Aaron Rodgers is struggling with the new offense in Green Bay, so that's going to be interesting to see come opening night. He's having a little problem with the fact that that his head coach doesn't like plays to be changed at the line of scrimmage, kind of like Mike Marks did with Jay Cutler, and we all know how that worked. Can you right. imagine LaFleur and Rodgers going head-to-head about not being able to change a call at the line of scrimmage? Yeah. So that's that's gonna be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of one of the guys uh, one of the guys out there said that the the best the best addition to the Bears roster last year was Kirk Cousins <laughs> <laughs> because he took that team from a playoff contender to an average team just by yeah. being the quarterback. So that was that was pretty pretty comical. Yeah. Uh, Adam Rank, you just have to love him. He's been on some other. I'd love to get him on either your podcast or the podcast here at the hall because uh, he's just a blast to talk about. He's just so pro Bears. 
Mm-hmm. Another person we'd love to get on the show, and I, I have unabashed love for NFL Network reporter Stacy Dales. Mm-hmm. And she's a Bear fan. She was just on the Rich Eisen show yeah. talking about the, the culture that Nagy has brought to the team. And right. it was just an amazing listen. I, I, I don't know if you had a chance to see it. I did hear that, yeah. If you haven't seen it, everybody listening in today and tomorrow and in the coming few days, when you get the chance to download our podcast, you've got to look it up. She's just absolutely forthright in her praise for not only the Bears, but the culture that Nagy has brought and the players that they brought to the team. So. Right. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun year. I just what are we five weeks four weeks away from from camp opening and we're eleven weeks away from opening night. It's just gonna be, you know, it's a fun year. I urge everybody if they're on Twitter, start using the hashtag March to Miami. I've right. been using using that on on our Twitter account at Halitech Hall, and uh, I I think it's gonna be an exciting year. So. With that said, this was a great piece by Adam Rank, but now we're going to turn to our expectations uh, for camp, which just starts in a few weeks. Our first preseason game is August 8th at home, uh, which will probably be one of the only times you see some of the starters actually playing in the preseason. So, Aaron, what is your uh, who to watch, either players or position battles? Uh, I mean, obviously you can't. You know, we're gonna we're gonna go into depth about the kickers, so I'll skip over that. But I think obviously the kickers are gonna uh, are gonna pull a lot of focus, and that's what people are gonna be highly focused on um, going into camp. Uh, but for me, um, I'm definitely looking at the receiver group. Um, you know, hearing a really a lot of good things about Riley Ridley. Um, you know, apparently he's just a great route runner. He's been getting a lot of time with uh, Anthony Miller being still recovering from his uh, shoulder surgery. Uh, so he's been getting a lot of run, and uh, he looks really good. Uh, there's just They're just stacked at the receiver position. So, um, you know, there's going to be some tough cuts, I think. Um, you know, I look at, you know, Tanner Gentry, I think, is an odd man out. Javon Wims might even be an odd man out because, you know, I've also heard some good things about Marvin Hall. Um, so that that's going to be exciting. Uh, the receiver group. Um, I think the um, tight end group is uh, also a, a, an area of of need and of weakness. If you have to pick, um, you know, the two groups that I feel are the weakest for us right now are uh, kicker and tight end um, simply because I don't. With Trey Burton, you know, you just don't know how he's going to come back from the injury and then uh, mentally. Um, you know, I think he's going to have to work on that. And, you know, and that's very serious. And, you know, um, that's just as, as much of a, a thing as a physical ailment is, you know, anything he's got to overcome mentally. So then you've got that. And then Shaheen is a huge question mark. Uh, Broniker, I think, is solid, you know, decent blocker, can make some plays. You know, is is Dax Raymond, is Ian Bunting, is, um, you know, some of these guys going to step up? So it'll be interesting. I mean, uh, is Bradley Sowell, who's been changed from offensive line to tight end, is he going to be someone that we see uh, really take 
take that position, um, you know, and how many tight ends are going to be able to carry with all these skill positions on the roster. So that should be fun um, to look at. And then, of course, you know, you got the running backs, uh, exciting uh, stuff with David Montgomery, who everybody says looks fantastic. And then, you know, how will the rest of the roster, um, you know, shape out? Will Taquan Mizell be odd, odd men out? Will Ryan Nall be the fullback? <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking at so far. Um, and then obviously I just like to see how Trubisky, um, progresses and from what everybody's been saying, you know, it's, it's, uh, he's, you know, they, they're running that offense, uh, a lot more smoothly and they're, they don't have to spend as much time with installs. They're just kind of fine tuning and, and, and really, um, you know, making it a, a well-oiled machine. So that'll be exciting. Absolutely. I am really excited to to see this kid Ridley. Uh, I think that I think it's coming down to Ridley and and Javon Wims as far as who's going to be the last man on the roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miller, Robinson, Gabriel, you know, they're that's just an awesome trio of receivers. This kid Hall, that's one of the the guys I'm really looking forward to seeing in camp because I haven't heard much about him other than. You know, we've, we've heard how exciting he can be. Cordero Patterson, let's talk about him for a minute. Yeah. You know, that, that addition, he's going to be uh, – he, he's going to be anywhere in the yep. lineup. He's going to be in the slot. He's going to be out on the edge. He's going to be a running back. He might even line up as tight end. Who knows? We're, we're, and, get, and Matt Nagy is just absolutely just – going crazy talking about what he can do with Cordero Patterson. And of course, he's going to be the kick returner too. And we've talked about this uh, a few times. Cordero Patterson has more return touchdowns at Soldier Field than any Bears player since Devin Hester. And how many times has he played there? Right. He hasn't played. He hasn't played that often. He had a. He had. A, right. I think a hundred and seven yard kickoff return when he was with the Vikings, and he had the kickoff return last year with the Patriots. So he's returned yeah. two kicks for touchdowns against the Bears at Soldier Field, and the Bears haven't had very many, if any, touchdown returns since we lost Devin Hester a couple of years ago. So I think that's something to watch, as you mentioned. The run DMC, I love who coined that phrase. Mm-hmm. I'm just excited to see how that's going to play out. Uh, who's going to line up where? Are you going to have Montgomery and Davis in the lineup at the same time? Or are you going to have Montgomery and Cohen in at the same time? It's just going to be fascinating to see what they can create. And how they line up will dictate what mismatches they're going to find against the defense. So those two positions, the the running backs and the wide receivers, is just going to be an exciting place to watch. We'll touch base on kickers in a little bit. But you had mentioned that the tight end situation, and I'm so intrigued to see what Adam Shaheen will be able to do. You know, Trey Burton, if he, he should be fully healed from his sports hernia surgery. Uh, loved what he brought to the team last year. So I'm not as concerned maybe about the tight end position as, as you are. I don't see it as, as much of a weakness as obviously the, the tick, the kicker 
situation. But going into camp, this is what I'm really looking forward to see. And Alan Robinson and Gabriel have been on YouTube talking about this with reporters, and that's the evolution of the offense. They both spoke freely and openly and almost giddingly about how they're able to go to the line of scrimmage now and not have to worry about what patterns they're going to run or how to run the patterns within the offense, but how to attack the defense with that play call and what Trubisky is recognizing when he comes up to the line of scrimmage. Trubisky, on all accounts, is seeing what the defense is is showing, even through their disguised coverages, and he's been able to pick apart defensive coverages based on his pre-snap reads and where he should bring the ball, which means the ball's going to get out faster. There's going to be more big plays. It's going to be fun to watch. So I, I can't yeah, – I'm ready, man. Let's go. Yeah. Let's, let's get down to Bourbon A. This is going to be an exciting year, and the march to Miami starts 11 weeks from today. So uh, a lot of stuff. Yeah, what we're looking at it's just going to be injuries aside. This could be one of the greatest years in the history of this franchise. And how fitting should it be to happen in the 100th year of the NFL? Right. Well, you talk about the the receivers, and I think it's important for us to remember just how far we've come since 2017. Uh, if you, I was just looking up this uh, some quick numbers. Uh, in 2017, the Bears only had 13 receiving touchdowns. In 2018, they turned that into 28 receiving touchdowns. Okay, so and then receiving yards in 2017, the Bears had 3,085 receiving yards. In 2018, they added almost 700 more at 37.47, and that's just scratching the surface. I mean, you look at the receiver group from from 2017, you're talking about Kendall Wright. Uh, you're talking about Deontay Thompson, Trey McBride, uh, Marcus Wheaton, who goes will go down as one of Ryan Pace's unfortunate uh, swing and a miss on, fi- on free agent uh, signings. You had Tanner Gentry. Uh, you had Kevin White, who was a disappointment. I mean, the, the absolute 180 that this receiver group has taken since 2017 is just something short of amazing. I mean, you have, you know, now guys, I mean, they could have, they could easily have two or 3000 yard receivers um, on this team. You know, if everything goes according to plan, Um, you know, and last year, you know, you had, you know, had uh, Allen Robinson with 754 yards, Gabriel with 688, Trey Burton with 569, Tariq Cohen with 725 receiving yards, uh, and and he led the team with 71 catches. You know, in, in 2017, Kendall Wright was the leading receiver with 59 catches and 614 yards. Uh, it's just it's just awesome, you know, and and this is not a, a thing that we're used to in Chicago having these kind of receivers, these kind of weapons this kind of team speed um so it's just it's just exciting and then to have you know obviously that defense on the other side of the ball uh it's you know and it's like i said you know i I talk about the tight end group being a weakness that's only if i 
you know, it's like I feel like I have to pick out something. Like I don't really feel they're they're weak at tight end, but it's like if I have to pick out something, that would be the one area where I don't feel super strong. But I feel good. I mean, it's again, it's still better than than we had uh, in years past. You know, where you're looking at Dion Sims, and I mean, of course Zach Miller, but he's he was hurt so much, you know, so. The upside of this tight end group is way higher than we've had in a long time. So it's super exciting. I think I'm just going to turn over Halitech Hall to double A. He's just amazing with his stats. This is absolutely, <laughs> absolutely great. Double A, you hit the nail on the head. You know, Kendall, Kendall Wright. Um, I don't think you mentioned Dontrell Inman, who oh, like, you know, yeah. had, a cup of, had a cup of coffee. Yeah. The sad part is yeah. we we lost we lost Zach Miller uh, yeah. in se- seventeen to just a, a horrific injury, but you're absolutely right. You you take a look at what we've got versus what we had. It's just an absolute amazing metamorphosis. This team's going to be special on offense this year, and mm-hmm. look, we're talking about 2019, Aaron, and we've barely touched base on their defense right what team have you ever ever unless you go all the way back to 1985 and and the bears offense with peyton and mcmahon and mckinnon and and willie galt we've never ever had an offense that we could talk about to be proud of in this city for well i guess since sid lugman era when he was amazing at what he did so it's just you know, boggles the mind that we're in 2019 and we're spending a half an hour on this show talking about the offense and there are expectations for this year of a of an undefeated record, according to, to Adam Rank, or at least a 13 and three record. <laughs> right. We barely barely talked about Khalil Mack uh, and the rest of the guys on off on defense: Trevathan, mm-hmm. Jackson, Roquan, uh, Hicks. Floyd, and the list goes on and on. They're stacked at all three levels defensively as well. So um, this this team has more depth than any other team I can ever recall. So yeah. it's it's just amazing. And after we have a word from our sponsor, we're going to get into that that Achilles heel of the team and and that is the the tick the kicker situation so right we're we're proud we're so proud to be sponsored by ticksplits.com ticksplits.com it just uh, came into the arena of, of third-party ticket sales at the end of 2017 and in 2019 they are now 800 percent increased in revenue over last year year to date and they have no service fees no service fees so if you're still going out to buy tickets at the stub hubs of the world at the seat geeks of the world even Ticketmaster, you got to pay ungodly service fees and ticksplits.com not only charges zero service fees they're giving all of our listeners and all of the listeners on the, the tailgate show a break all you have to do is use promo code tailgate all one word all in caps, and TickSplits is giving our listeners 5% off of tickets. And that's just not Bears tickets. 
sports, concerts, Broadway. There's $6 billion of ticket inventory on TickSplits.com every day, and you can save 5% on any event you want to go to anywhere in the world. So log into TickSplits.com today. Use Tailgate as your promo code and save 5%. Take a minute to download the TickSplits app on all your devices, whether it's Apple, whether it's Google. Download their app and start saving today. Aaron. Yeah. Yes, sir. We're going to talk about the the thorn in everybody's side, and that is obviously our kicker situation. Uh, it's interesting to note that that recently our I won't say beloved, maybe be hated <laughs> for, <laughs> former coach John Fox actually went on record saying that the the Bears probably had the worst off season of any team. I don't know if he meant any team, every team in the NFL or every team that made the playoffs last year. Now they were going, they were going through and they were saying what team of every team had the worst off season. Uh, and they kind of ticked it around their little panel there, Damian Woody and, and himself. And I don't know the, I'm not sure the other two, I didn't recognize them, but yeah, they, they, he, he, uh, he said of every team, not just (laughs) of the playoff teams. So let's talk about what John Fox said. One of his main reasons for the Bears' poor offseason was their failure to yet address their kicking situation. So their kicking situation changed drastically. A couple of years ago, when the Bears released Robbie Gold, everybody knows that, and uh, it's a shame that they released him when they did. Uh, Robbie Gold had 11 seasons with the Bears from 2005 to 2015, Robbie Gold set the standard for kickers. He's one of the most accurate kickers in the entire NFL. John Fox is the guy who cut Robbie Gold. How ironic is it that he can sit there on that panel and say what he said about the Bears offseason because they're now they've now spent 16, 17, 18, and now 2019 addressing the kicking situation that he started by cutting Robbie Gold. By the way, he cut Robbie Gold after the 2015 season. Robbie Gold's kicking percentage in 2015, 84.6% accurate. One of his biggest problems was he missed a couple of crucial kicks during the year that that uh, could have caused a swing in the game from a from a loss to a win. But that was coming off of a bad year in 15 or in 2014. I'm sorry, Robbie Gold only kicked he only kicked 75 percent of his field goals in 2014. Had they maybe released him after that year, maybe we're not having this argument today. But Robbie Gold, in his 11-year history with the Bears, kicked at a rate of 85.4%. And that includes his down year, and and I believe his first year or second year with the Bears, he hit less than 80%. So, hey, John Fox, you want to eat your words? This is absolutely a situation that you created. 
Aaron, what are your thoughts? I, I mean, I just I, – John Fox, he just rubs me the wrong way. I mean, the guy's still spending uh, the Bears' money, you know, enjoying uh, that, that – uh, you know, vacation that he gets uh, by, you know, still getting paid as the coach of, of the Bears, even though, you know, he, he really didn't get any results. And, and for him to kind of just really piggyback off of what Damian Woody said, because Woody, Woody came with the laziest take of all time, which is that Fangio's departure is going to mean that the Bears' defense is going to regress. And then, you know, he sort of agreed with that, and then he added on, you know, the kicking situation. And sure, is the kicking situation still uh, a big question mark? Is it looking good in training camp? No, it's certainly not. But John Fox shouldn't – like, he should have a little more, uh, you know, kind of tact to – and and self-awareness to realize that maybe he should – Pick somebody else. There's plenty of other teams that had bad off seasons. Talk about the Giants. Talk about the Jets. Talk about, you know, the the Texans. Talk about, you know, uh, the Steelers. Maybe, you know, I, I just feel like that it's it's very, you know, sour grapes. It's it's salty. It's it's and you know, I think it's just the same type of complete lack of self awareness that that played John Fox as a coach. You know, I don't really know why anybody thinks that we should be listening to him as an analyst. But <laughs> I, I just like, you know, the guy like I don't you know, he, he's eating off of that one Super Bowl, um, you know, with with the Broncos and, you know, um, taking the, the Panthers to, you know, a Super Bowl appearance. Like other than that, you know, he's basically Jeff Fisher of, of uh, coaching and, you know, yet he, you know, he gets sort of treated as like, oh, the venerable, you know, John Fox. And, and uh, it's just, I mean, I wish I never had to hear him again um, because every time he opens his mouth, I, I just, I just look at him and I'm like, you're an, you're an idiot. Like stop talking and please keep the bears out of your mouth. John Fox was Abe Gibran bad as a coach yeah. for the, for the bears between the two of them. I don't think they won 10 games. Yeah. <laughs> Obvious, obviously I'm, I'm exaggerating. Right. But you know, it's, it's amazing to sit here and you know have to listen to this garbage. You know, we were talking about Robbie gold just a minute ago, Robbie gold, his stats over since 2006, aside from the 75% year, in 2014, 88.9, 86.1, 89.7, 85.7, 83.3, 87.5, 84, even 89.7% in 2013 before he had his bad year. I think he had a couple of lingering injuries in 2014, but um, he only kicked in 2014. He only kicked in 12 games. So he did have some injury problems, which caused his his off year. So the only other year that he kicked less than 83.3% was his rookie year when he hit on 77.8% in only 13 games. So why did you let him go, Mr. Fox? And by the way, I wouldn't give John Fox as much credit as to to compare him to Jeff Fisher. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I didn't, I didn't mean know, that to be praised, but I understand yeah, what you're saying. You know, Jeff Fisher <laughs> is the king of eight and eight records. Um, yeah. You know, is God love Jeff. I love Jeff Fisher. I really did. He was a great defensive coach. Obviously, he was on the Bears for quite some time, and you know, he just couldn't get it done as a head coach. But I tell you what. Uh, I'd love to have him on my staff coaching some of the, the, the defensive backs because he certainly knows defense in and out. So let's talk a little bit about the kickers throughout history. So Cody Parkey hit on 70, just under 77% of his kicks in, last year, but it's the ones that he missed that were so critical. He cost him a game against Miami. He cost him the game in New York. Uh, despite the fact that Trubisky wasn't starting and didn't play that game to his shoulder injury. The four goalposts, the four doinks against the Jets were will always go down in infamy, but no more so than the double doink at the end of the game against the, the Philadelphia Eagles in the wildcard game last year. So it's a shame. Uh, I feel sorry for the guy. I, I really do. Uh, he took his, you know, he kind of aired his, his dirty laundry on, I was it to, the Today Show or Good Morning America, and he got a lot of uh, a lot of flack for that in Bears Twitter. Uh, Cody Parkey's a decent guy. He just had an off year. Uh, it's a, it's a shame, but you know we we learned a lesson and, and we move on and we're still struggling. But and this is a big but over the last. Damn near 60 years, Aaron, aside from Robbie Gold, who had a better kicking percentage? That was a regular kicker, not like Mike Nugent a couple of years ago, who kicked like a couple of games and had a 100% record, but then it would eat tear groin, and he was gone, and then he never came back. But So aside from that, go back all the way to 1960, Aaron, and who had a better percentage rate in his career as a Bear? And you're talking Bob Thomas. You're talking Kevin Butler. You're talking Chris Boniel. You're talking Jeff Jager. You're talking Paul Edinger. Who had a better percentage than Cody Parkey? Nobody. <laughs> How bizarre. How bizarre is that? Yeah. We have had nobody, aside from Robbie Gold, to have a better career as a kicker than Cody Parkey. But yet, Cody Parkey, if you say his name in, in Chicago Twitter, you're going to get killed or mugged or both. Mm-hmm. But maybe mugged first and then killed. Maybe you'll get mugged after you get killed. Who knows? But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, let's, so let's, let's take a little stroll back in history. That's what Halitech Hall likes to do. We like to talk about some historical facts, and, and we're going to go all the way back Starting from 1960, the Bears kicker during their last championship before the Super Bowl era was a guy by the name of Roger LeClaire. He, imagine having a seven-year career as a field goal kicker, and you didn't average more than 52% of your kicks. That's <laughs> wild. Okay. But that was the 60s. Yeah. Okay. 51.4%. He was replaced by Mac Percival starting in the 1967 year. He kicked through 1973, partially through 73, got cut. 
uh, and he kicked only 54.4%. Now we're talking Abe Gibran years, and we had mentioned how bad Abe, Abe Gibran was. I was a season ticket holder back then. I was a season ticket holder from the 1973 season through the Super Bowl year 85. The Bears signed a bricklayer. Swear to God, he was a bricklayer by trade. His name was Miro Roder. And he was he was just he had an hysterical personality. He could kick a ball through a brick wall, but he wasn't very accurate. He he played the remainder of the '73 year through the '74 season, and he only hit 53.1 percent of his kicks. But the Bears were so bad those years that some of the best cheers from that crowd in '73 and '74 was when he lined up off on a kickoff and could literally kick the ball from the south end zone into the north end zone and literally kick the ball into the stands behind the end zone. Wow. And people would give him a standing ovation. So that's how bad <laughs> that the only thing great thing they had to, to cheer about was the fact that we had a kicker that could kick the ball into the next county. Well, it's funny that uh, that was something that people talk about about Parkey, where I guess in training camp, he wowed everybody with his accuracy. And, you know, there was a story that people tell about Parkey actually hitting the the post uh, again and again and again. And people were like, wow, he's so accurate. He can just hit the post again and again and again. And little do we know that that would come and haunt us. Isn't it a shame that he took the, that accuracy into the regular season? <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. We started after the Miro Rotor experiment. We went 21 seasons with only two kickers. Hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah. Bob Thomas came in in 1975, which is the year that, of course, brought also brought to the team a guy by the name of Walter Payton. And Bob Thomas had a 10-year career, but he only kicked at a 62.4% accuracy. Bob Thomas had a – it was strange. He, If he was lining up on the left hash mark, the man was deadly. And if he was lining up from the right hash mark, that's where he had his troubles. He just couldn't hit from the right hash mark. He would always leave the, he would either miss wide right or he'd overcompensate and hook the ball left. But if you line him up on the left hash mark, the guy probably would kick 80%. And who knows, maybe we don't draft Kevin Butler. So Kevin, uh, Kevin Butler came on board in 1985. I think he set a record for points by a kicker that I think still stands for one season. Uh, but, of course, he had a great offense. He was kicking a lot of extra points that, that year. Mm-hmm. But even Kevin Butler, as good as everybody seems to remember, you know what his, his percentage was in his career with the Bears? 73.4%. Yeah, that's shocking. I never would have... I never would have believed it if I hadn't looked it up when we were preparing for today's podcast. Uh, Kevin Butler lasted 11 years. He's the was the longest tenured Bears kicker, and of course had the Bears all-time record for points until Robbie Gold tied his tenure 
and broke his record for for the most points by any bear in the history of the franchise. Uh, well, Kevin, go ahead. Too, I, so I was just going to add that he actually it, he missed three kicks in the playoffs in 1985. Did Kevin Butler, um, which surprises me. Uh, it says he was four for seven in the 85 in the playoffs. Um, which hard is to believe, wild. isn't it? Hard to believe. Like, yeah, that is you. You absolutely never hear that. I mean, Butthead is like, you know, he he's he, he eats for free in this town. <laughs> and you know, that's that's part of the the uh, coattails that one finds mm-hmm. themselves for being on the last team to win the the Super Bowl for the Bears. Uh, he was replaced by Jeff Jager, and Jeff Jager actually had a four-year career with the Bears. He kicked from from. 1996 through part of the 1999 season. Uh, I can't remember if he got cut or got injured, but he was replaced uh, later in the year by Chris Bonio, who only played for the Bears that last half of the 99 season. (laughs) Jeff Jager hit on 75.9% of his kicks, and Chris Bonio, no surprise why he left after the 99 season, he only hit on 61% of his kicks. So that led the Bears to draft a kicker. When was the last time they drafted a kicker besides Butler? Well, the answer is Paul Edinger. The guy who had the the weirdest kicking uh, habit. He was almost like torqued with his body, and obviously I'm trying to torque. You can see me, but the guys can't. That they're Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was like but his back to the his, to yeah his back was almost facing the line of scrimmage and then mm-hmm. he kind of just he just unwound mm-hmm. uh, he he's a good you think he was a good kicker but he only kicked on 75.3% of his kicks as a bear yeah and and guess who that brings us to none other than Robbie Gold Robbie Gold, again, 11 years. He's the all-time leader in points in Bears history. He's had uh, his worst year was, I believe, in 1984. Uh, No, I'm sorry. I'm I'm looking at Kevin Butler. Bear with me. Robbie Gold was, you know, just the most – he was almost at one time the most accurate kicker in the NFL. It seemed like every time he got close, he'd need like three in a row and he'd mm-hmm. kick one and he'd, then he'd miss the next one. And then you'd have to kick like 10 straight to get to be close enough to, to, to earn the record of the most accurate kicker in the NFL and he'd miss a kick. It was, it was just the most frustrating thing to watch. You know, it, almost as if he knew and just got a little bit of butterfly saying, yeah, if I make this kick, I'm going to be the number one kicker of all time. At least it seems like it. Uh, Robbie Gold was 77.8% his rookie year. And then after that, he never was worse than 83. And he was only worse than 84 those two seasons, except for the, the injury plague year where only kicked in 12 games back in 2014. Robbie Gold, to this day, is the standard of Bears kickers by which all kickers in the future will be measured. Just like Sid Luckman is the standard for all Bears quarterbacks 
by which all future quarterbacks will be measured until Trubisky takes all the records that are in the books for quarterbacks, and I predict that will happen. So then we had Connor Barth. Oh, yay. No. 74.4% kicking through 16 and 17. Uh, it was in 2017 that Barth only kicked 68% of his kicks. Nugent came on board. He was a 100% kicker, but then he, I think he ripped up a, a, a groin, didn't he? Yeah. And then we had a kicker by the name of Santos finish the year, and uh, we don't even want to talk about him. And that leads us to last year, of course, when they signed Cody Parkey to a, a big contract, and he had some disappointing kicks, to say the least. I was at the Tampa game last year when Trubisky had his absolute best game as a pro so far. And, and right before halftime, Parkey, I, I think he lined up for like a 52- or 3-yard field goal and just nailed it right down the middle and we're thinking, now he's got it. Yeah, now he's got it. And then, of course, all hell broke loose with uh, the games in Miami and New York and, and the home game against the Jets. And then, of course, the double doink that will go uh, will live in infamy in, in Bears playoff history. And uh, it's, a, it's a real shame. So here we are stuck with, with uh, three kickers up until recently. They cut one of them. So the Bears head into camp with just two kickers. Aaron, let me ask you this. Out of the kickers on the roster, do you really think that the kicker that the Bears go into the regular season with is currently on the roster? I don't know. I mean, I will say that I don't know how they could have ever signed a kicker named Blewett. Uh, So thank God that he is gone. I, I just I don't care how good he was. You just know that if somebody's kick name is Blewett, that they shouldn't be kicking. I mean, I, it's just one of those things. You got to change your name or something. Like it's you know it's. I was thinking the other day. It's as if I mean, what if your name was your last name was Poison and you wanted to be a chef? It's just not in the cards for you. <laughs> like you can't say Chef Poison is bringing out your dish tonight. Uh, no, I'm good. I don't want anything that Chef Poison made. Well, I don't want any kicks kicked by anybody named Blewett. And it just was too much, uh, you know, karmic uh, it, pressure uh, that, that I was just like, please let this guy, you know, get out of here. It's like, did they not? I mean, even Nagy joked, oh, no, it's French. It's Blue A. Uh, you know, it, it, it just would have been a nightmare if if he had been the kicker uh, based solely on the name. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't. I think Fry, um, you know, from what I hear, he's he's a straight kicker and um, but he doesn't have the strength. Uh, I think they want Pinheiro to be the guy because he has the leg strength, um, you know, but. It's uh, no, I don't think he's on the roster. I was listening to um, to All Access, uh, the the Bears podcast that Joniak and Thayer and, and and different guests a lot of times Jim Miller do, um, and they had a good um, uh, piece on on the kicking situation. So I was going to play uh, play that right now. I think they give some good uh, some good insight. So we can uh, listen to that right now. I uh, I would love to see that happen that way. 
Uh, but it does not happen that way throughout the league. And these guys take time. These young kickers take time. That's why they bounce around, right, boys? Yeah, but you you know that you got to think about the conditions that you're kicking in Chicago. You can take some of these, <clears throat> excuse me, these college guys, these college free agents. Whether you draft them later, they are free agents, and they can come out of the SEC or they can come out of these perfect kicking conditions of indoor stadiums. And then all of a sudden, you throw them out there in Chicago in an October rainy night when they're uh, retiring the jerseys of Butkus and Gale Sayers and it's a torrential downpour and the field conditions are awful, or if you're fortunate enough to make it in the playoffs and the, the conditions are unpredictable. So it's, it's a lot easier to judge these guys when you're, you're taking them on the combine situation because you're kicking indoors in Indianapolis. But now put their team behind them, and this has probably been the most difficult kicking outdoor um, spring that the Bears kickers have gone through in a long, long time because the wind and the conditions have been so horrific out there. Yeah, it's a lot of rain, and you know we've seen, yeah you've seen a lot of kickers. It's not just the the young rookies. You know here you know look at Minnesota a couple of years ago they draft Blair Walsh. He misses that key playoff kick against Seattle, and all of a sudden he's shipped out of town because it just it, sometimes it's just one thing that Jeff talked about that they can mentally take a turn. Remember when Chris Bonio was with us. Yeah. with the Bears, and he, we, could, we couldn't even kick field goals at practice. It was so demoralizing. It was almost like what happened with a, a Roberto Aguayo with uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, it was hurting our practice. Dick Duran, literally, he missed every one. We had to call practice and just send it in and not even do special teams anymore. And hey, let me ask you about that real quick, though, because you know Matt Nagy, he alluded to such a thing that, yeah, you could feel the air come out because yeah. if, if, if it's not working with, with the three guys you got out there, you know, what's next? It starts to play on the psyche of the other other guys on the team. So it clearly did with you guys. Yeah. It, well, I just remember we were. I remember. Remember. We, I remember talking to you guys on the plane ride home from San yeah. Diego. We played the Chargers. He missed an extra point. Extra points back then were not even thirteen yards. Remember. Um, and I felt bad for him because he was my locker partner. He, he'd come in the next day, Jim. Sorry, but he literally. It, it really changed the tide of six games that year. And that was, I forget what year it was, 99, I think is what that was. And it changed the tide of six games. That Think about, I say it all the time, who has a bigger impact on a game than a kicker who has the least amount of reps? They may be on the field six times, and they're deciding wins and losses. You know, a lot of times, you too, you're making a transition after a kicker's been here a while. You think of Carlos Huerta after the transition from Kevin Butler, and they ended up losing that game in Coach Wanstead's early coaching career because they were out there searching for that next kicker. And that search is not as easy as just finding a guy that is kicking in great conditions. Yeah, well, the good news is it all ended on a positive note today. A couple of 40-yarders by Pinero and Elliott Fry, and you could see it on the faces and the reaction from the other guys, they were relieved. It's a good way to end the off-season program and head into training camp where the competition will escalate. So, yeah, so, you know, you hear, I mean, Thayer and, I mean, Miller talks about that season, O'Neal, you know, six games, basically, he cost them. Uh, You know, this is when the extra point was a chip shot. Um, I mean, you know, it's it's not as easy as everybody thinks. I mean, you know, and a lot of teams – struggle with it it just it just feels so much worse because we were spoiled for 10 seasons with one of the best kickers in in the history of the game and now we're in kicker purgatory purgatory kind of 
hits the nail right on the head. A uh, couple of things about, about Pinheiro. This kid, now, there was nobody around him. It was, it was just on a practice field. He kicked an 81-yard field goal through the uprights in practice. He was perfect in the preseason last year before he hurt his groin uh, for, the, for the Raiders. And probably the best thing about him, in addition to the fact that he's got over a 75% rate of touchbacks on kickoffs, his name isn't Parky. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right, uh, we are very excited on Halitech Hall to have our first guest uh, since we started doing shows, and it is, of course, Bears Girl, who you should know from Bears Twitter, and if you don't, then you're probably not on Bears Twitter very much. Uh, so welcome to Halitech Hall, Bears Girl. Thank you, Aaron. Bears Girl, it's great to have you on. It's absolutely a pleasure. Um, Tell us a little bit about how you got started being coming a Bears fan. Oh gosh, how much time do we have? Uh, let me give you let me give you the very condensed version uh, that I actually told I don't know everyone who asked me at Bears 100. There was a boy. His name was Tim. Uh, we met in 2000. Uh, he grew up a Bears fan. Grew up watching the 85 Bears and absolutely fell in love uh, with that team. Uh, we got together. We ended up uh, being together, and he introduced me to the NFL, which I wasn't following um, when we met, and got me to love the Bears. Uh, nicknamed me Bears Girl. That's where that uh, nickname comes from. Earl Acker was his all-time favorite, um, and we were super excited to be able to watch him uh, during our time together. Unfortunately, he passed away uh, in 2007 on December 16th, and part of my way of remembering him, um, given the eight years that we were together and married, is uh, still being Bears girl and, and still loving this team, and, and they've really become my team. Um, and it's it's kind of it's nice to be able to do the things that he's always wanted to do and, and go to the games that he's always wanted to go to. Um, and I know that he is absolutely stoked wherever he is uh, for what's coming up. It was absolutely one of my greatest pleasures last December, not only to be physically at the game against Green Bay when they clinched the North Division, but Getting a chance to meet you in person was an absolute honor. So we're so, so grateful and glad to, for you to be the very first guest speaker on Halitech Hall. That said, let's get right to it. Give us your thoughts on the Bears 100. It was a great event. You were there. I was there. Aaron was there, along with tens of thousands of other diehard Bear fans. Give us your thoughts. So I was on the fence about attending Bears 100 because I've really been saving my loonies and toonies up here in Canada uh, to get across the pond to the London game against Oakland in October. Um, but when I saw what weekend it was and I was supposed to be in town for business, I couldn't pass it up, uh, knowing that I'm not going to be around probably uh, for Bears 150 uh, and definitely won't be around for Bears 200. So I said, I got to get to this thing. I actually thought it was really well done. Uh, I attend a lot of conferences. I put on a lot of conferences in the training uh, field that I'm in as, as my career outside of Bears Twitter. And 
for the amount of people that were there, for what they were trying to do, the fact that they really only had two days over a three-day period in terms of time, I thought it was well done. Was it rushed? Uh, yeah, if you're if you're trying to get to everything, uh, it felt rushed. But no one goes to conferences thinking they're going to be able to do everything. There's always panels up against each other. The only thing that I probably would have um, liked to have a bit uh, more explanation or advanced warning of was the whole photograph autograph uh, debacle, as some people are, are calling it. I think that was unfortunate that first night on Friday, people were getting the scratch offs. That's when I got my Tariq Cohen scratch off. Um, and I had no clue what it was. So I you know, didn't scratch it till Saturday morning, but people were throwing them on the floor. So I picked up one and scratched that one Saturday morning. And it also happened to be a Tariq Cohen scratch off. So I gave that to someone who was in line with me because I couldn't obviously have two. But I think that was the only disappointing part. Um, I loved the exhibit. I loved seeing the, 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 you know, the, the Lombardi. I loved seeing the cases by decade with all of the material, all of the, you know, fan gear, all of the uniforms, all of the stuff that really spoke to the past. I was able to grab a quick snap of um, uh, Doug Buffon's jersey in the case and send that to our friend John Buffon so that he could see that his uncle was being represented at Bears 100. So that was really moving. Um, probably not going to get to Canton. Um, it's not. It's on my list, but not high. So to see all of the Hall of Fame bus was really cool. I got to meet Coach Nagy. I got to meet Ryan Pace. I got to meet all three of the coordinators, and I was in that panel. Um, got a ton of autographs and bought some great swag. So for me, um, it was a once-in-a-lifetime event. It was truly an amazing event. Um, talking about the scratch-offs, I got one, got one scratch-off, and it happened to be Devin Hester. Oh, so wow. I was uh, absolutely thrilled to, to get his autograph and, and meet him. While we were in line, there was uh, a couple of bears that were doing autograph, or I'm sorry, pictures Mm -hmm. And it was it was one of them, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. One was Shelly, uh, and they were walking up and down. We got to take some uh, some selfies with them, and one of the guys uh, also autographed the football that I had with me that I got Hester's autograph on. If there was one player that I wanted, it was definitely Devin Hester's autograph. So I was absolutely glad to do that. Of the autographs that you did get, mm -hmm. who's, your who's your favorite? Um, interesting. So I was able to uh, do the wristbands for uh, Cohen because I won that one, and then Nagy and Pace. And then I also was able to get um, in to see uh, Chase Daniel. So I, I have to say it was, it was Matt Nagy. Um, being able to, to, to quickly connect with him, let him know I was from Canada, tell him I was screaming boom from Canada. He actually wrote boom on my football. Um, that was really cool. Um, I, I personally would have loved to have, um, Erlacher, um, do autographs. Uh, he's, he's, he was the, the player that I was looking forward to the most to see and possibly even get to meet given that that would have been Tim's wish and, 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 and a dream of his, we all know the story with uh, Brian not being there, so I'm not going to go into too much detail on that. But uh, definitely meeting Matt Nagy. Had to have been just an absolutely once-in-a-lifetime just joy for you, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. What do you think of uh, the competition between the running back roles and the, and the wide receivers? Aaron and I talked about that earlier on the show, and 
those are two uh, position battles that we're just anxious to see play out during training camp. Yeah, I'm not going to be at training camp this year. I was there able to be there last year. Um, so I'm hoping it's as, as good an experience this year for folks. And I, I truly believe that it will be. I, I think we're in a great position. I mean, the fact that we're even having these battles, the fact that we even have so many players who are, you know, queuing up and trying to show them themselves to be the best that they can be to earn a spot on this roster is a great place to be for the Bears. How many years and how many seasons have we been without superstars, without players, you know, without people to, to carry this team and the fact that we have really so many to choose from and these you know epic battles that are going to be happening I think it's a good thing Aaron and I were talking about the wide receivers earlier in the show and, and one thing that we have been impressed with so far is this this rookie um, Ridley mm-hmm. and I think that he's really going to cement a spot on the roster and that he's going to push the likes of Javon Wims, perhaps maybe to the practice squad. What are your thoughts? Um, from what I've seen and, and what I've read, I mean, I, I don't follow follow college football, so I, I don't have a lot of detail and, and, and I haven't watched film on him uh, from his college days. But from what I've read, um, he's definitely shades of his brother. Um, so that's a good thing. The fact that he absolutely wants this, he's passionate. Um, he's hungry for this, um, is a good thing. I think he's a great fit for the team. And I I think no one should be comfortable. Um, the fact that everyone is, you know, potentially going to get cut or, or at a point where they've got to compete is a good place to be. So I'm, I'm excited for Ridley. Earlier this offseason, the Packers, I'm sorry, the Bears traded uh, Howard away. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were a little bit, you know, there was a lot of negativity going on with the Jordan Howard trade. But then they picked up Montgomery. They picked up Davis. They picked up this this uh, kid later on in the draft who was just supposed to be a, have blazing speed. Do you think that the Bears running situation is going to be better or worse than it was last year? Um, I think it'll be better. I think the, the issue with Howard was every time he was on the field, everyone else knew what we were going to do. Um, and that's that's never a good place to be for an offense. I, I think the, the reaction to the Howard trade was twofold. It was A, it was too late. It should have happened earlier because we didn't use him enough last year. Or how dare we let him go? The reality is he was probably always going to leave. And we want someone that is versatile. We want someone that is going to fit this offense. We want someone that can be used in multiple plays and in multiple ways to keep, you know, the opposing defenses on their toes as opposed to, oh, there's Howard. Here's what they're going to do. I'm happy for him. You know what? Best of luck to him. You never want to see someone go to an opponent, but this is a business and we can't forget that. Couldn't have said it any better. Bears girl, this is going to be a fun year. Are You, you had talked earlier uh, just a few minutes ago about hoping to get to London. Oh, no, I'm going. <laughs> that's still on the agenda, huh? Oh, yeah. So uh, I've got some friends out there who've uh, partnered with a ticket broker uh, to get us tickets. So that is exciting. Those are paid for uh, well in advance. So um, that is settled. I'm uh, figuring out my schedule. I know the three days that I'm going to be out uh, in Tottenham area. I don't know if I'm going to be there the week before or the week after the game yet. Uh, I've got those two weeks kind of open right now, and I'm busy planning planning my trip out there. It'll be really exciting. I unfortunately can't make it to uh, to London. 
I do have tickets for four games that I'm going to all, all in Chicago. Of course, I'm going to the Packer game. I'm going to the Detroit game. I'm going to the Vikings game. And I'm also going to attend the very first preseason game because I think that's the only time you're going to see the starters yeah. on the field in the preseason. So uh, wish you could be here for opening night. I think it's going to be one hell of a show. It is, but I'm excited because NFL Canada hosts a um, kickoff party in multiple cities across the country here. They will be having another one in Toronto like they did last year, and I will be at that. So I can't picture somewhere else to be, um, given it's the Bears-Packers opening night and at the NFL Canada party. Are you going to be coming to Chicago for any games? I'm not. Um, right now, the only other game, um, given that London is such a, an expense and a, and a time investment that I'm planning to attend, is the Detroit game on Thanksgiving, because that's a, a quick border jump for me um, and a day trip, and I'll be able to uh, to hopefully get to that game. Hey, I know where you can get good tickets for that Yeah. Game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I know a site or two. <laughs> How about just one? Uh, yeah, tick splits. They're from what I've heard, they're pretty good. I can tell you firsthand how good they are. I buy all my tickets from tick splits, baseball and football. Even went to the Chicago Wolves were in the Calder Cup Finals the weekend of the of Bears 100. So that Saturday night, I actually went to the last game of the Calder Cup. Unfortunately, the Chicago team didn't win, but it was still an exciting time. Bears girl. Care to make a prediction? Interesting, because I was I was I was looking at all the predictions that are being made. I was looking at 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 my good friend Adam Rank's predictions, and and he's getting roasted for that. Um, last year at this time, I had the team at nine and seven, and I actually probably would have been happy um, if if we just had a winning season. The the trade for Khalil Mack changed all of that. Um, it definitely swayed all of our predictions um, into the into the plus. I think this will be an interesting year. Um, we we have a lot to prove. Um, we've got a lot to prove in, in a sense of that we can't be, you know, kind of a, uh, a one-stop shop and, and, and have one great year and then kind of, you know, hit the middle of the pack of the conference and then, you know, hopefully never get back down to the Lions territory in last place. I would probably say it's going to be a harder year for us. We do have a harder schedule. Um, and like I said, we've got definitely a lot more to prove. So I will probably go with, uh, 11, five, 11 and five. I think Aaron and I are on record saying 13 and three. So I, I would love it. I'm I'm a realist. If you get to know me really well, um, I'm definitely more of a realist than I am an optimist. The Bears were two failed kicks and one dropped interception away from being 15 and one in the regular season last yep. year. Their opponent's schedule going into 18 was 5:20, and as you had just mentioned, people are saying, "Hey, the Bears' schedule is tougher this year." Well, the their their winning record of the Bears schedule, their their opponents from last year is 520. It's absolutely dead even. The problem is, is we're the better team this time, so mm -hmm. we're looking down at every other team in our division as opposed to looking up at every other team in our division, which accounts for some of that discrepancy. Yeah, we got to play the Rams, we got to play the Saints, we got to play the Chargers, we got to mm -hmm. play the Chiefs. It's going to be a hell of a year, but fortunately for the Bears, a lot of those important games are at home. They do have mm -hmm. to go see the they do have to go see the Rams. They have to go to Denver. So there's going to be absolutely some tough games on the schedule, but 
whether they're 11 and 5 or 13 and 3 or 16 and 0, as Mr. Rank said, <laughs> I think it's going to be fun. We here at, at Halitech Hall have started a hashtag, and I'd love for you to pick that up every time sure. you're talking about the Bears, and it's just ha- hashtag March to Miami because that's where the Super Bowl is being played. Got it. So add that to your Twitter line, and uh, let's just follow them week to week. Give us some of your last thoughts on this upcoming season, BG. Um, I think it's going to be a great season. I mean, Bears 100 already has kicked it off for me um, in terms of kind of r- respecting and recognizing the history and the past that have got us to where we are today. Um, meeting those coordinators, being able to, to to hear them speak in that panel and then be able to quickly connect with them in person one on one was pretty special. I'm I. I'm pumped about this team in a way that I've never been in the 20 years I've been a Bears fan. And I said that last year and I meant it, um, but I'm even more pumped this year. I just think that, you know, chasing great is an amazing, not only hashtag, but motto and mantra for this team that Nagy has settled on. Um, And that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to chase great. Last thing before we let you go, BG, talk about your meeting Nagy, Coach Nagy, yeah. and and just the energy and the absolute 180 degree turn that we've seen with the Bears culture. So never met Fox. Hope I never get to meet Fox. Um, so it's it's hard for me to compare the two, other than what I've seen on TV. Um, but I can say that both Pace and Nagy were so warm um, and open. And, you know, just accepting. And, and, you know, the moment they heard you were from Canada, it was like, oh, wow, you're one of the seven countries that's here. Thank you so much. And and, and Pace was like, hey, our nutritionist is from Canada. And <laughs> they're, they were just so happy to be there. And I think that's the piece that was missing for me with some of the other um, administrations and some of the other front offices is they just – never gave the sense that they were happy to be there. To them, it was literally just kind of a job or something they had to do. Um, and with these guys, it's it's really something that they love. And it's 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 a team that they love and, and it's a city that they love. So that comes through in spades. Uh, I'm not sure if you've been able to pick up the Bears uh, Centennial Scrapbook, but, uh, and I make no money off of this. I'm just plugging it because it's an amazing book. Um, they have, you know, kind of interviews with Nagy and, and with Pace and with Trubisky about how they came to love the Bears first as fans. And then, obviously, the, the opportunity of a lifetime to work for the team. So uh, pick it up if you have it because there's great stuff from Pace and Nagy um, and, and Trubisky in there. And how they are in press conferences and how they are um, in terms of how we, we see them was how I experienced them in person. It was personable. It was warm. Um, it was happy to be here. Thanks for being here. Um, and, and they're passionate. They're passionate about where we're going. There's absolutely nothing phony about Nagy and Pace. No. They're so genuine, so real, and that comes through with everything they do. When you talked about the uh, scrapbook, I have a quick little story to tell. I bought one way ahead of schedule, and I saw this little blurb about a a scrapbook, and I'm like, oh, I should get that. I have two of them, BG. One is on my (laughs) coffee table, and one is now proudly displayed on the wall of my new 
uh, man cave, which I'll have to give you a, a virtual tour of some some other time, but we're kind of pressed for time today. BG, it has been a pleasure. We'd like you to know you have an open invitation to come on Halitech Hall anytime you care to, and we might prod you along the way to get you on more often than that. So, <laughs> so. Well, I will commit to coming on after the, the Raiders game in, uh, in London. How's that? Sounds like a plan. We, we tape on Thursday, so by that time you should be back home in Canada. Uh, get your pictures ready because we want to see a ton of them. Oh, absolutely. I've got my battery pack. I've got a spare pack, and uh, uh, I'm ready to go. BG, thank you so much for joining us. That's Bears Girl directly from Canada, everybody. If you don't know Bears Girl through Bears Twitterverse, you've got to find her. you got to follow her. She is an absolute joy, both reading her online and talking to her in person. BG, thank you so much. You're welcome. Talk soon. With that, man, this has been a great episode. We want to thank Bears Girl for coming on. Uh, we had some great talks, great clips from Adam Rank and Tom Thayer and, and Jeff Joniak. Aaron, it's been a great show. Uh, I can't wait to get back to this next week where we'll be one week closer to, to camp. With that, some final words from Double A. Uh, you know, not too much to add. I think, um, you know, mostly this is uh, an exciting uh, time to be a Bears fan, as you've mentioned. So um, it's it's just, you know, the depth and the and the, the talent. Uh, you know, we have to we have to work and dig and and search for things to pick apart. Um, whereas, you know, uh, I think somebody said uh, in, in the other day I was listening to it. You could basically go through this current roster and pick about 42 or 43 locks to make the roster, you know, and there's been years where you couldn't pick 10. <laughs> it was like every, you know, 15, you know, so now it's, you know, it's really just picking the, the cream of the crop. And uh, it reminds me of uh, something that uh, Nagy said that uh, Dick had told him at the Bears 100. He said, just pick the good players. Your job is to just pick the good players. and and cut the bad ones. <laughs> and, and Great Nagy, advice. Yeah, there you go. Great <laughs> advice. And he's, he's like, oh, pretty simple. He's like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to keep the good players because that's what we want. But, you know, it, it's, uh, it sounds easy, but it's actually, you know, it's actually where we're at. You know, we, we got a whole lot of good players. So fun, fun, fun times ahead. Fun year coming up. The March to Miami begins 11 weeks from today. And last but not least, we want to thank our sponsor, TickSplits.com. Uh, no service fees. They're one of the, the fastest growing third-party ticket sites on the internet. Think StubHub without fees. And that's TickSplits.com. Use TAILGATE, promo code TAILGATE, all caps, all one word, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E. And our listeners on the hall and on the tailgate get 5% off on any ticket purchase. So thank you to Tick Splits. Thanks to our listeners. We'll look forward to talking to you next week. Yeah, get your uh, Rolling Stones tickets on Tick Splits. They're cheaper than on StubHub. Check it out for yourself. Another episode of Halitech Hall. Thanks so much. Have a great week. <laughs>